This is the Hunt Quietly Podcast. I'm Matt Ranella. Jim Durkin and Brian Kozar, thanks for joining me this evening for a brief discussion about an article we just all read. How you guys doing? Three mid- Midwest boys. All well, in their early 30s, 50s. <laughs> look like we're in our early 30s. Fuck, man, I'm looking at myself right now on Zoom. I look sharp, even with my cheaters on. I'm going through like a hot phase, I feel like. You know? I, I'm not basing that on the way anybody else looks at me. It just like when I look at it myself, like, damn. Walking around with the shoulders up, held up high and... What do you think? Do you think I look straight. better than I used to? What's that? About, do you think I look better than I used to? I think you're a handsome, handsome man. Oh. Yes, I do. Shucks. Okay. We're going to talk a little bit about, um, and we're going to tack this onto the front of the next explosive episode of the hunt quietly podcast an article that came out in the may 23rd issue of outside magazine entitled hunting is having a moment will it last and then the nut graph you know what a nut graph is no do you know what a nut graph is Brian? like a nut n-u-t yeah, look look it up. Yeah, G, I think it's N U T G R E F. I think so. It's like the little beginning bit, the first sentence that they make in bigger font. And what was that right about the spelling? Yeah. Oh, N U T Space. Oh, okay. Okay. Adventure athletes like pro snowboarder Eric Jackson have begun to dabble in this pursuit, meaning hunting, helping create a bridge between two previously distinct outdoor communities by Aaron Gully who I talked to last night on the phone. I was so dismayed by, not Aaron, but the article in general that I had to, just to save my sanity, I had to give him a call and tell him. Because because it, it just... I, I, I told him I want to talk to him because I thought that I would give a jarringly different perspective than the people he interviewed for the article. Um, in that, everybody he interviewed for the article either gets famous or gets money from money. And we should share, like, the context of the article. Oh, yeah. Right? You got to get into that a little the, bit. The, this guy Aaron Gully, he's doing the the article. Uh, 
that's based on this one guy, right? That's a snowboarder. He's a snowboarder. Have you ever heard of it? Brian is our resident snow sport expert for the evening. He he <laughs> Brian's a avid downhill skier. So that's why I brought him in. Because I thought maybe he could shed some light on on uh, the the nexus between snow sports and hunting. Well, and Brian's a skier, not a snowboarder, and there's a little cultural difference there. Um, but yeah, it's all about how the article is about how this snowboarder Eric Jackson is getting into hunting and how Sitka is leveraging him to bring hunting to a new audience. And they're paying for his hunts. They're filming his hunts. They're, they're. Yeah. So like they're, Sitka is facilitating his entry into the hunting community by helping him do something that's adjacent to hunting, but it's not hunting because of by of course I'm gonna say that because I don't believe if you're filming it, it's hunting. You you told a joke the other day. I think you should you should tell it about the snowboarding. Oh yeah, Brian, you probably know this joke. I perhaps uh do you know how many how many snowboarders it takes to change a light bulb three one to change the light bulb one to gopro it and one to stand there and go sick bro sick (laughs) brian and i were talking about this last brian stayed stay with me last night like this idea of the snowboarder climber uh set getting into hunting expect specifically snowboarding and skiing like and we were started joking around like you know how they go what do they go they go hey bro you drop in drop in i'm gonna drop in bro it's gonna be sick i'm gonna drop in on that bull i'm gonna drop in on that bully's bugling down there bro 100 percent One of the last times I snowboarded, uh, I was putting my binding on, and this group of snowboarders are like, they come up to me, and I'm 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 probably like 35 at the time, and they go, "Man, it's so good to see old guys snowboarding," <laughs> and I was like. Gee, thanks. I wanted to go, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My wife is an avid snowboarder, and she's 50. I keep trying to get her to quit because her knees are shot. Oh. So, but so, the, the gist of the article is, is that Sitka is, is targeting a specifically snowboarders. Through this guy, Eric Jackson, who's an influencer, professional snowboarder. And the thing that jumps out at me and, and Brian, maybe you can you can give some insight on it, is that 
the the skiing sports, whether it be snowboarding or skiing, they're very expensive sports. The, from the gear, the clothes to being on the mountain all the time. So if you if you're skiing all the time, it's it's an expensive endeavor. Um, I would say that that can be the case, and generally you are correct. He's got to get closer. I I can't hear him. Generally, I would say, can you, yeah, all right. Generally, I would say that 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 is true. That it is a um, a costly sport to get introduced into because you do have to gear up, right? Um, it's interesting that you say that because we had a moment this past winter where I was just on the mountain with a couple of buddies, and we were standing in the line in the lift line and saying, "How much money do you think is in this lift line right now?" It's like a couple hundred thousand dollars, something like that, you know, just gear. And then I went over what I was wearing that particular day. And it was at least five grand, you know, from skis from head to toe. But the thing about it is, is that it's gathered over time, right? So it's gathered, the money is gathered over time um, or spent over time. I don't see skiing as a more expensive sport than hunting, personally. Right. any thought that I've ever had in the past to getting into hunting or any other sport that requires an investment, um, that's that's what's given me pause, really, is that I haven't had the desire enough to spend the thousands of dollars to get into it. Skiing is the one sport that I do that I am willing to part with that kind of money to do it. Um, but once you are got the gear, my expenses for skiing every year is about a <laughs> thousand to two thousand dollars that's it and that's the season yeah. pass and skiing it maybe a couple places actually buying a new pair of skis pretty much every year so a couple grand every year and for our, a winter's worth of entertainment it's really not that expensive i don't think but we gotta get to why this is relevant yeah so why is this relevant? well it's relevant because the article is about this guy's Montana. He shot an elk in Montana last year with 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 some other like big shot hunting celebrity dude. But then and then this year the article about is about his second year elk hunting in the Wasatch Range. He goes to the Wasatch Range and hunts the Desiree Ranch and. Jim, you want to enlighten the audience on what that costs? Yeah, so a- after reading this article, I looked it up, and from my gathering on some forums, that an elk hunt of this uh, magnitude is about 21000 Yeah, and Aaron C- Culley last night, the journalist, told me it was twenty, so something like that. That, yeah. to me, is the most salient fact about the hunt and it's omitted from the completely omitted from the article so he goes out and he shoots an elk and puts it on instagram which is something i am diametrically opposed to um like it for all the reasons i've said a zillion times his his followership according to the article increases 3500 people instantaneously as a consequence largely it's hunters the al- the algorithm shows hunters his now the his hunting content 
and it adds 3,500 people to his followership. So, um, but there's also like a lot of that is also that it, you know, he sh- his followership is mainly snowboarders and skiers, and they're looking at that wilderness athletes and they're looking at that and going oh sweet this you can get your meat this way but they completely leave out of the article that you could buy a fucking small herd of cattle for what Sitka paid for him to go hunt right you know it's like it's like you know jim we you and i've been talking a lot about trying to build bridges with industry in order to get them to help pay to pay for hunters for access make donations so that we can build hunters for access but it's like man Sitka is just the worst of the worst man and and i i want to explain like the correlation i'm making uh between the cost of snowboarding and the cost of sitka gear or their sitka gear approach and this is not an indictment to people that wear Sitka gear. This is not. Oh, an it is. Indictment. It is for my. If you like, okay. For, if you're wearing Sitka now, yes, I agree. But if you continue to buy Sitka from this point going forward, there's just nothing for you here. Like, right? Don't listen to this podcast. Please turn this off. It off right now if you're going to continue to buy Sitka because <laughs> there's fucking nothing for you here. <laughs> they not. I mean, they they. They hire, they, they, they incentivize, this is a company that incentivize, incentivizes killing for content, incentivizes using hunting as an instrument to draw attention to yourself, incentivizes, um, bullshits people about, like, what's possible on a shoestring budget. Um, and additionally, both funds a hunting tv program that sells hunting properties takes working landscapes that could maybe be open to door banging or be involved enrolled in a program that allows compensates landowners for allowing everybody to hunt takes those lands subdivides them and sells them to the highest bidder it's like the sick clothes are privatization clothes in my view if you're wearing Sitka pants, you're wearing privatization pants. Like, there's got to be a it, noticeable increase in the temperature of Sitka clothing when they're worn on public land. I have well, to think, I have to think that the hypocrisy of wearing Sitka clothing on public land or lands made available, private lands made available through programs to allow everybody to hunt. There's got to be the hypocrisy has got to generate, however minuscule, some like noticeable increase in the temperature of the fabric. I don't see how that's not fucking the way it is. It's just the hypocrisy. I can't just imagine a more grand hypocrisy. Well, there's a reason why, like what I was going to say was it, it might, it's not an indictment of the people who can afford Sitka or who wear Sitka, but it's, it's in my mind, it's, it's an indictment of, of, their approach and who they're targeting. So for example, there's a reason why companies like Sitka offer like payment plans to buy their clothing packages because most people in middle class America don't have 2 or 3000 dollars to go out. You and really buy. you you can pay in installments? 
for Sika gear? I, I believe so. Well, okay, but still, regardless, doesn't fucking matter, man. It's like I, I, I don't understand. I mean, it's just bullshitting people to have this guy that they're trotting out as the next great thing in hunting and not pointing out that they paid twenty one thousand dollars for his hunt, like. That's $21,000 that could have gone towards access. Very much so. And, and you know, they filmed it. I guess they released it. Um, so they're obviously deliberately targeting people and that want to buy Sitka gear, that have the money to buy Sitka gear, and using... An influencer to do it. Well, they're making pe- making people want to buy Sika gear. I think is what the they're, they're, that's the goal, right? They're like, I'm gonna we're gonna pay twenty one thousand dollars to make for this guy to make hunting look attractive, adventurous, productive, and cool, in hopes that others, bro, bra, um, insta snowboarders decide to like diversify and become insta hunters. And in the process, by like as a consequence, buy our shit, right? I mean, like that, that, that's the what they're doing. The way that you frame this, and I didn't think about this when I was reading the article as much as you have, Matt. But the way that Matt, Matt, I don't know. I can't. I can't hear him. You got. You got to get right in there. Okay. I don't yeah. know what's wrong with my computer, but you got to get right in there. So the way that it, this is being that Matt's framing this, and I didn't think about it this way, is that this is, in essence, an advertisement in Outside Magazine for Sitka gear. Yeah. Absolutely it is. You know what it is? I was trying to think of a, an analogy to this on my way home from work. It'd be like, it's like, um, okay, so this is, I'm talking about Sitka now. Sitka, in this analogy, is a travel agency. And they hire a travel writer to go to some Caribbean paradise or Bonaire or whatever, Christmas Island, and record a and film a vacation and write an article about the this tropical paradise. And then they get all of the content. And they replace um, bone air, the word bone air, with Sudan <laughs> or Syria. That's what it is. Yeah. It's like they're trying to make like what this guy got for $21,000 that they paid for is what Joe Schmo can expect. It's, it's deliberately giving people a false sense it's, it's, it's bullshitting people to sell clothes yeah i i like though and i don't know if this is coming from the author or the whole uh advertising scheme not scheme but advertising um from sitka is that they talk about him being a beginner and despite being a novice hunter, he's got this ambassador deal with Sitka. And they talk about being a, a beginner as a as a barrier to to um to entry into hunting. 
But being a beginner is not the barrier to hunting. That's the biggest roadblock. It's, it's finding, not, even, not even close. It's having a good place to go. Which it's having quality of, hunting the, spots. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they don't to, mention that to at your all. Point, to your point, there's this part in the article where, he's talk, where they're talking about how there's been this boom in the number of hunters, and, not, and now how do we maintain that? How do we keep that going forward? I wish we wouldn't um, for a variety of reasons, including conservation and, and, and the well-being of wildlife. Um, these hurdles, the hurdle to keeping the numbers elevated, number of hunters, have spurred a conversation in the hunting industry about how to retain those who discovered hunting amid the pandemic. Quote, the pandemic brought a lot of people through the door. Now it's our job to get them to stay, says Barkalow. Barkalow is a guy that works for Sicko. Um, organizations, including backcountry hunters and anglers, and the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation have upped their outreach aim at participation. Hunter education programs such as artists, Artemis, Sportswoman, Hunt Camps, BHAs, Explore Hunting Workshops, and Wild and Course Hunt Craft are cropping up to help newcomers build skills and community. As if that is what's good. That's the that's the the the, the, the what what's making it difficult to keep these new folks engaged is a so, lack of how to. They don't say anything about the major problem toward the the major difficulty in keeping them engaged in hunting, which so is I, access. Everything's leased up. Um, I, everything's I overcrowded. You can't fucking draw a tag anymore. You know? Uh, I'm glad you brought those up because I went in and looked up the artisan sportswoman hunt camps. And that camp, the bulleted items are firearm safety, wilderness first aid, basic orienteering, maintaining and extinguishing fire, campfire cooking, bear safety, and proper gear selection. That's, that's all that's all that's all well and good. I'm down with all oh, well, go ahead, Jim. You had more to say than that, probably. Yeah, that's that that's great. Those are all uh very important things when you're in the backcountry. But you there's a difference between hunting trip and a camping trip. Yeah, oh there, there's that for sure. It, it's just like all of this, they tick tick off all of these groups that are overcoming knowledge limitations but they like they don't say anything about the fact that there's lot there's large swaths of the country where you really can't have a productive hunt if you want to without pulling out your billfold like yep. where's the education on how much it will cost you depending on where you live to have a satisfactory experience and and even BHA explore hunting workshop i watched that they have a youtube video where they they film one of the workshops and and again it's it's stuff that you need to know the gear selection and the food and the prep and and backcountry um experience but they're missing the biggest barrier to entry for a new hunter which is finding a spot where there's quality hunting and it's not overcrowded and doesn't cost an arm and a leg and doesn't cost an arm and a leg yeah everyone they interview in this thing 
is vested in there being more hunters. Land Tawny, he's the CEO of an organization that make backcountry hunters and anglers, backcountry hunters and anglers. I don't know if CEO is the right word. The head of that an organization that makes more money when there's more hunters. Meat Eater. Um, there's a quote by them, the some uh, big shot meat eater. Uh, uh, um, did you, you know where I'm talking? Yeah, it's the uh, it's a woman. Um, oh, here it there. is. You're going to see. This is the quote from a uh, somebody by the last name of Noonan that works for Meat Eater or for, for First Light. You're going to see more people at the trailhead. You're going to have to go farther and hunt smarter to be successful says first lights noonan like this person freaking knows that it's like there's so many parts i hunt for, as far back in the state of montana probably where this person lives because first light is you know with, with meteor and they're all in montana i hunt far back as you can and you can't get away from people so bridget bridget noonan she's the vp of global marketing at meat eater but the trade-off and we see it as a valuable one worth making is that we are bringing more people into a community that cares for the land and is vested in conservation. No, it's like the trade-off is that you make more money. I mean, this comment right here completely ignores a mountain of peer-reviewed scientific literature that I keep hounding on that shows that intense hunting pressure is bad for um, conservation. The very thing that she's saying bringing all these people in is helping with. And it, where's, where in this article, where is the interview with a conservation biologist? That's what I want to know. That's like talking that's explaining the literature on what bringing more people into hunting at this point is doing for wildlife do, doing to wildlife and that's what i think like when you get down to brass tacks it's simply sitka marketing uh they're very expensive gear to another group of people that participate in a very expensive sport that would be likely candidates to be able to afford Sitka gear. And, yeah. and, and, and that may sound like harsh, but I think when you cut through the fluff, I think that's ultimately that, what no, it is. That's, that's absolutely what it is. And that's all it is. They try to make like it's good for conservation, but yeah, it's, it's, it's purely taking somebody that's construed as some kind of a hero in the like in some allied area like outdoor athlete hero and being like hey i hunt in addition to snowboarding i hunt too and so should you it, it's yeah. just fucking gross man i i it, i get where matt's coming from and what you guys are saying here i want to i think say that um this this jackson guy i don't know who he is he's a professional snowboarder but i'm not i don't follow you know um snowboarding and skiing celebrities myself but i don't think it's 
it's his fault that he likes hunting. He's just in a fortunate position. No, I don't think he's, you know. I I, I, mean, I don't have. I mean, he's just been the product of bad. But I will he's say been the product of bad mentorship. I don't care that he likes hunting. Just keep it off the goddamn social media. Well, he, it's it's he's like the, two elk and and his world bull. <laughs> And used to sell products in some way. Highly doubtful. Yeah, I mean, from the minute he started hunting, had to use the public's wildlife as a dead, dead wildlife as a, a, a means to generate hype and money. And it's freaking gross. But I can't tell you that they're on to something with this because oh, yeah, there is brilliant. a lot of, there's brilliant. a lot of crossover between outdoor winter sports enthusiasts and um outdoor and hunting. The the same people that like to go skiing and I mean hardcore skiers, I don't mean uh, people that go for like eight days a year or a couple weekends a year. I mean, people like myself who ski, you know, 80 to 100 days a year. There's a lot of us that like to hunt. I'm not one of them. I would like to hunt. I just something I never, when I calculate the equation of the cost of it getting involved in the investment, not just financially, but also um, intellectually and with time investment i just never was able to make that trade work for me so i didn't i just didn't want to do it enough whether or not but, I, whether or not a good idea. but the, what i'm saying and styling was brilliant too and in all kinds of very effective um uh very very effective what's what was propaganda they didn't make it right no, I'm just saying that they, they that they are definitely on the song. That's all I'm trying to say. There is a great strategy. Yeah, because you know, it's a great yeah, strategy. if you could bring we over that audience. That- we always talk about Land Trust, this, this group that's in direct competition with black management and other programs throughout the country that allow public hunting on uh, private lands that facilitate that. And, and I think of them as an ingenious company. I think they're nefarious as hell. I hate their existence, but it's a G like they are the beneficiary of millions of dollars of hunting promotion and they get it all for free. But, but think about if Brian's right. And I, and I think he is right. I think, I think that audience is going to come over to, to hunt. And and think about this. If if we are right and they do sorry. And they do no, that's okay. And they do come over. Think about the impacts of like late season hunts where they're gonna go in on skis and and cross country skis and 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 target animals in the snow. <laughs> oh you know, if they're gonna put it on social media, I hope that they, they're the victim of an avalanche. <laughs> But I mean, barely yeah, kidding. Those tags are barely kidding. Those oh. those tags are easier to get, and there's less competition for late season hunts. But if that's the case, that subset of hunters who 
came over from the skiing and snowboarding world, they'll be looking at those late season hunts for sure. I say that being a little bit facetious, but yeah, yeah. All right, we 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 we, we go ahead, Brian. Well, I kind of thought now. Um. Well, we beat this to death, man. You be the choice, but I say, here's what I say: hunt quietly. If you value it, whether you're a snowboarder and your day job or an accountant or a mechanic, a carpenter, an astrophysicist, if you care about the future of publicly accessible non-pay hunting, look out for conservation. Stand up for access. Shut your mouth. Yeah, uh, I, I would add it, it may be just a moment of of uh, levity here or to light. Well, I mean, I, I think is, is, is there's that, a lot of levity. Is, I mean, I'm not I'm not as mad. I as hope I, this is a one way street <laughs> and we don't start attracting a bunch of hunters to the slopes because they're already crowded. So yeah, there's that too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. This impacts you, Brian. It possibly could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never do, thought do, about do you do that. any backcountry skiing? I do. Yeah, I do some backcountry skiing. But one of the place I, I ski out here in Montana also is is uh, you can get away from the crowd by hiking in bounds. And so that's what I choose to do a lot. Of. That's a great. We should. We should. I'm gonna. I'm gonna write my own article. Skiing is having a moment, but will it last? It'll be about how these. <laughs> How about these <laughs> badass bro bra hunters are getting into skiing? <laughs> the next podcast, ski quietly. We're gonna we're gonna have to find a high profile um hunter who has never skied before, rig him up in about 10k worth of gear, <laughs> and you know, throw him on the slopes and talk about how uh you know. You know, and, and I want to. I want. I want. I do want to um, stress from my own point of view is that I don't think there's anything wrong with what this Jackson guy is doing. He's following something that he obviously loves to do and wants to do. Um, no, it's because I thought about that myself. And so, and again, I don't know who he is. I don't follow you know winter sports heroes just because I don't. I just do it, uh, but. I do know some some of them who they are, but anyway, the point is that I just don't think it's it's that he's the problem. I think he's doing what no. he loves to do. You know, he no. got a knock it's on his door. Obviously, he, it's I think it's quite clear that he's somebody that's either a not engaged in any kind of philosophical introspection about hunting, or b is incapable of doing so. He's taking the snowboarding. Modus operandi. Yeah, I get that part and, from you, Matt. I do. I understand what you're saying. And, and, and applying it to honey. And it doesn't work. Killing an animal is a sacred act. And there's a lot of gravity involved with it. You know, the, the it's problem not, is is that it's it's not a sacred act to everybody. No. That, no, I'm just I'm trying I think that what you and I are doing in the large part, Jim, is, is trying to make the case that it should be. Yeah. And that in as much as it's not, that is a problem. 
And and I will say this in his defense, he's he's I don't know him. He's a snowboarder. He 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 probably got a call. Hey, do you want? Do you have an interest in hunting? We're sponsoring. We want to sponsor you. You 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 have to. He's young. He's 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 not thinking like we are. Um, he took advantage of an opportunity, but hopefully, as a result of people listening to this, that we're bringing to light that those opportunities that portraying through Sitka and this hunt on this ranch, they're not realistic. They're not real in the least. I think that's important. No, because I didn't get that from the article at all. If I didn't, I had the sense that where he was hunting in Utah was probably a private ranch. But that was just because I know Matt. (laughs) And I know that that was probably the case. Just from that level of familiarity with hunts. and But to anybody else reading that, and I, I'm sure a lot of people read that magazine read because they're reading outside, but there's probably a lot of people that read that and said, I can go do that. But they Absolutely. don't realize the cost involved and that that's an exclusive hunt. And I think that's unfair to not, it's almost like um, making a case about um, a subject without uh, stating the, um, the, the parameters that that are uh, that outline that subject, and I'm not explaining it very well. But well, this is what I was what you're what you're talking about now is what I was trying to go with with my Sudan analogy. Yeah, okay. uh, so let me be crystal clear for a minute, because both of you guys have said something along these lines about this being in some kind of indictment against the snowboarder guy Eric Jackson. Mm-mm. I am not focused on him in the slightest. I'm yeah. talking about. The hunting industry, people that know better, displaying some semblance of just something that resembles leadership. Yeah. So I, I don't of course of course they're gonna be able to find somebody that knows zero about the major problems in hunting today. That knows zero about the consequences of hunting social media and get them to do whatever the hell they want. I'm saying I'm not disappointed in Eric Jackson. I, I don't think he's thought about this for a minute. Yeah. I'm talking about Jermaine Jackson. Up. It doesn't matter who it is. Yeah. Eric he's Jackson just their pawn. He's their yeah, pawn. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. I, so, I, and I, I, I totally uh, agree. And, and that was what I took from the article is that, this is if if the, we've said indictment. If, if you're indicting anybody, I think it's it's the marketing strategy and approach that they're using to sell hunting, to sell hunting clothes, and they're doing it through a method and uh, a media stream that just only applies to point one percent of the population that goes on these hunts that pays twenty one thousand dollars. Yeah. Oh yeah. Elk. Yeah, they're gonna it's, go for the car. You, you, they're gonna go for the Kardashians next. Watch them. It's yeah, yeah. It I mean, is, it's just it's like the next. That would be the the next logical frontier would be the Kardashians. Uh, I, um, the Kardashians' ex husband. What was his name? The rapper. Oh, uh, uh, French Montana. 
Well, he was married to one of them, but also you're talking about Kanye West. Yeah, Kanye Weezy. Is that his name? Weezy is like his. He's got a new name, but that's not it. Oh, okay. Well, whatever it is, like yay, yay, yay. When he bought that place in Wyoming, it was like, oh no, in a way, wasn't it? Because for the same kind of reasons. I don't know. Oh, all right. But yeah, it's only a matter of time until the hunting industry figures out a way to leverage the marketing power of the Kardashians. 